from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. Over 46,000 fans entered the swamp on Friday night, and for the only time all year in that hallowed venue, no one cared about the final score. Progress is what the people came to see, and the Gators delivered in a number of areas in the orange and blue debut. To recap everything we learned from the scrimmage, today we'll chat with FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry. Also, Jeff Cardozo spends some time with Gator Baseball's red-hot Jeremy Vasquez, and Shelby Granath sits down with Florida Gymnastics head coach Jenny Rowland as the Gators pursue a fourth straight national title this weekend in Texas. But first, spring games are routinely used by coaches to identify playmakers who will step up in the fall, while most fans focus on skill position players like QBs and wide receivers. In a year where the nighttime setting was new, so too was the biggest star that emerged. While Luke Del Rio drew a lot of buzz for his solid play under center, FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry says it was the new kicker, Eddie Pinheiro, that stole the headlines. One of the loudest uh, rounds of applause that night came from an extra point being converted within the first three minutes of the spring game. That round of applause gave way, obviously, a little while later when the guy kicked a 52-yard field goal. Then he added, I believe, what was it, 48-yard field goal and a 56-yard field goal. He missed two. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter, Adam, that it was good to hear that Gator fans didn't boo when he missed (laughs) the two field goals. But, I mean, it sounds so simple, but field goal kicking and kicking was a problem for this football team last year that won 10 games, 7-17 on field goal attempts. I mean, couldn't execute simple point-afters at times. And I think after watching what Eddie did, I mean, everyone walked away saying, hey, that's a problem that's fixed. That's a big problem. And not only that, but this guy's a, a, a sophomore. He's got three years. He's got a huge leg. His kickoffs were going deep into the end zone. So that's a weapon with regards to you know helping your defense out. And then hearing the guy talk afterwards, the guy was just uh, as gregarious and as happy. And it was a good story for that night. You don't expect to have a a place kicker dominate the uh, conversation. And I'm not going to say he completely dominated, but he was the guy you were talking about. But everyone obviously went there to see, you know, what's going to happen with this offense in Jim McElwain's second season and what was going to happen with the quarterbacks. So it was a relief to see three points put up on the board, but really Gator fans want to see six. And that's going to mean the quarterback position has got to be better. We saw four guys auditioning, and the main one everybody came out talking about was Luke Del Rio. Del Rio, uh, 84 place to throw a touchdown pass. His first pass he threw was a nice little seam route to C.J. Wharton down the middle. Wharton broke a tackle and went 46 yards. So Luke Del Rio, by all counts, didn't do anything to hurt himself. 10 of 11, 176 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. I mean, it was a really, really good night for that kid. And this is a guy who, again, his third year, only thrown eight career passes, all of them at Oregon State. Didn't do anything at Alabama that year he was redshirt. But we had heard all last year, this was a guy who had some real leadership qualities about him that players embraced, um, and you know, not just his little group of peers who he's hanging around, but team-wise. He was real popular with defensive players, real popular with his defensive linemen, offensive linemen, what have you. Really likable kid, and that, that, that's important for that position. So, yeah, let's look at Luke DeRue and see what D had. And then, and then here comes Austin Appleby, the transfer from Purdue. Um, 
didn't have the night uh, uh, Luke Del Rio did. I'm not sure that Austin Appleby had the team that Luke Del Rio, let's be honest. Like Luke Del Rio had a better team with him, and I think that kind of played itself out later when we saw Felipe Franks flip over to the blue team and lead the team down for a touchdown. But, yeah, it was about quarterbacks. Four quarterbacks in the orange and blue debut game had never thrown a pass as Gators. Pretty amazing, actually, given what happened last year. And I think you can probably make the case last year there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about when it came to the passing game, 111th in the country. So focus was on that. Jim McElwain is an offensive coach. I'm sure it was very frustrating for him after uh, Will Greer got suspended and his uh, options were really reduced with Treon Harris at the quarterback position, what you could do. But now you got four guys who are pocket quarterbacks. All of them can probably move pretty well. I mean, I, I don't know. You want Austin Appleby running around. He's a big kid, good-looking kid. Um, Luke Del Rio probably moves for the sake of finding a play not necessarily to run. Then there's the two freshmen. You got Kyle Trask and you got Felipe Franks. Franks, uh, three of his first four passes were intercepted, one return for a touchdown. It's not at all an indictment, I don't think, of the kid. I mean, this is a guy who both he and Trask were four months ago still in high school. So probably it was two weeks ago he's probably learning what, uh, how to call a play in the huddle. Uh, with this offense. So plenty to talk about, and that's what made the spring game fun. But 44 points on the board, a kicker, touchdown passes. He had some fireworks. I'll bring up another thing, uh, Mark Thompson, the running back from junior college out of Pennsylvania, gave you something to look forward to, perhaps had a 26-yard touchdown run, averaged nine yards carry, had a fumble that was costly, but his teammate picked it up and ran it in the end zone. But you're seeing options offensively, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a receiver, whether it's at running back, and it's something to get Gator fans excited about and give them something to talk about five months from now till the season opener against Mass. Most people go to the spring game to see offense. They want to see points on the board, especially given what Florida did a year ago. But it doesn't mean we can ignore the defense, especially some of the new faces out there, not just guys who are new to the program, but guys who are healthy for the first time in a while. Yeah, and you're talking about a guy like Alex Anzalone, who uh, really had some, um, I guess McElwain referred to it constantly this spring as his chicken wing injury. Uh, finally got that shoulder squared away, was enough to run around out there and, and, and be competitive in the spring. Um, Kylan Johnson moved from safety to linebacker. Eight tackles, six solo, had an interception in the game. Quincy Wilson, who we saw a lot of last year, stepped into that Vernon Hargraves cornerback role opposite of Jalen Tabor. Jalen Tabor, who we know is a really, really good player, probably an All-American candidate going into next season. And I mentioned Tabor. Let's also mention a guy like Marcus May, uh, Brian Cox, Jordan Sherritt. Jared Davis is going to be one of the best linebackers in the country. Those are some familiar faces that we're going to see on defense that were out there. And, you know, I think a lot of people just kind of accept that that you know Florida's just going to be good on defense. You mentioned you, know, you go to a spring game looking for offense. I think you go into a Florida football season thinking, yeah, Gators are going to be okay on defense. Now we got to find something to get people excited about on the other side of the ball and kind of maybe balance the scales a little bit so the defense isn't always the ones out there with everything leaning on them to stop the other team. Let's go, you know, get the Gators out there offensively and try to outscore some people and let the defense maybe have a little more fun than they've had. With an announced crowd of 46,000, I think it was a lot bigger than most people expected. I think it shows that there is an enthusiasm there. And if the offense can get going and Florida football can be fun again, Obviously, there's a lot of people that are going to be interested in seeing that. Yeah, and we saw a lot of that last year. I mean, the crowds, the Tennessee and Ole Miss crowds were spectacular. Uh, they reminded me of the vintage swamp days back in whenever, and I know McElwain was probably struck by that and made comments to that effect. But to get that many people uh, on a Friday night 
when it's really hard to get here for a 7 o'clock kickoff from the biggest cities in the state of Florida. I think that says a lot about the enthusiasm. I thought the atmosphere around the stadium before the game was really, really cool, and I think this is an idea, whether it stays Friday night or goes Saturday, I think a primetime spring game is something that uh, people are going to embrace around here, and certainly the coaching staff, they're going to embrace it, and they certainly made a good use of it relative to recruiting and what have you. So I think it was all in all a terrific weekend for that. Believe it or not, the Gator baseball team has already reached the halfway point of the season and are continuing to navigate the choppy waters that come with sky-high expectations and having a constant target on your back. As they head to Arkansas for a critical road series against the Razorbacks, Gator baseball play-by-play voice Jeff Cardozo asked sophomore right fielder Jeremy Vasquez what they've learned as they embark on the second half of the season. First things first, we're all trying to take care of our bodies as best as possible. And uh, baseball-wise, we're just trying to keep everything as simple as possible and um, go and have fun and win some games. But we've just learned, you know, to stay even keel all year, not get too high on ourselves, not get too low, just stay the course and uh, keep working as hard as we can to keep winning ball games. You guys have a really good mixture of, of veteran guys and those juniors that have been there and done that. You obviously got a lot of experience last year as a freshman and now get to be there as a sophomore. And then you've got a, three guys every day in the lineup that are freshmen. So that, that's got to be kind of neat, too, to just to see the different classes and, and see everybody get along. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see the younger guys succeed. And, you know, this is like kind of a perfect mix because sometimes, or most of the time, younger guys ask us questions, you know, what to do in a certain situation, how to handle you know, like a big crowd or something, but then sometimes we can fall back on them and ask them what they see that we're doing wrong or what they like, what we're doing. So it's kind of a perfect mixture where we can all rely on each other to have our back. You mentioned some of those younger guys. You see Coar and Singer going out there throwing 95, and then, of course, you've got a couple of first-rounders and Puck and Shore and Fiedo. So probably seeing those guys in inter-squads in the fall and early spring, that had to prepare you pretty well for, for anything that you're going to see this coming year. You know, at first, once we got back from uh, Christmas break, you know, it was pretty tough because none of us saw live pitching in a month. But, I mean, just seeing those guys every day got us ready for basically any pitching in the country because – we believe that we do have the best pitching in the country, so we thought uh, if we could hit them, we could basically hit anyone. Yeah, so a tough series going to Arkansas, but you've already been through many tough road experiences, going down to Miami and taking two out of three, and you go into a place like Kentucky, and you know you certainly did a lot of different things last year and getting to be a part of Omaha. What are some of the tough things when you go on the road that you have to deal with? I mean, I think the toughest thing is just you know not try to do too much, just be yourself, don't let the atmosphere change you. Obviously, just don't let the big crowds, you know, get to you or anything. Just we got to play our game, and uh, if we do that, we'll be successful. You're swinging it really well right now, the best uh, hitting streak of your young career here at Florida. What are some of the things that you're seeing now differently than early on in the season? It was more of a mental change for me. You know, I stopped worrying about uh, the outcome, I guess you could say. I just go into every at-bat now just to have a good at-bat. If I don't get a hit, it's fine. Where earlier in the year, I think I was pressing a little bit and, you know, stressing myself out a lot to get a hit. But now I'm just trying to go out there and compete the best I can, hustle on and off the field and just have the best attitude. And so far, it's worked out pretty well. This lineup is really tough. You look at what Dalton does at the top of the order, and then certainly we know what the guys in the middle part of the order do. But you guys at the bottom now, and you and Maldonado and India, you've kind of been the table setters the last couple of weeks. So that's got to excite you, knowing that really one through nine, there's not an easy out in this lineup. 
I mean, coming in before the season, we all knew we had great hitters one through nine, and um, even some guys on the bench can hit. But we know going into every game, if the first hitter of the inning is going to be the eight hitter or if it's going to be the second hitter, we know that we're going to have a chance to score runs that inning. It doesn't matter where we are in the lineup. We believe everyone can hit. That's why we're obviously here. But, uh, you know, it's great to see the young guys like Nelson and India and obviously Deacon just do as good as they have this whole year and uh, just help us the whole way. What's it like standing out there in right field? Half the time you don't have to do anything because this pitching staff is just striking out 12, 14, 15 guys a game. So you're playing four or five innings without having to do any stuff. I mean, it's fine with me. I mean, <laughs> if, it's, if it's hit to me, I'm going to give it my best effort and catch it or do whatever I have to. But if they want to keep striking guys out and not having any balls towards me, I'm totally fine with that. But if obviously if something gets hit to me, I'm ready for it. Uh, everyone on defense, you know, we practice hard on defense. We're ready for it. But um, the pitchers want to keep pitching the way they can. That's fine with me. You talked earlier about this being a pretty close-knit group. And does that help, you think, when you guys get to go on the road and everybody's hanging out with each other and having a good time? And then certainly in the dugout, you have that type of camaraderie that it takes to be successful. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Not only just from a standpoint where we all get along, it's from a point where if someone messes up, you can kind of say whatever you want to them and you know you're not going to hurt their feelings or anything because we all like to think that we're all best friends and, you know, we're one one big family. So even if someone messes up, they can say whatever they want to us and it's fine. We're just all trying to get better and we're all trying to win games together. And the thing about forgetting the, the previous game, a couple of times now you guys have lost series in the SEC, but then you go out and you beat Florida State in Jacksonville, and you did it this week against Florida State in Tallahassee, which is certainly a tough atmosphere. So is it just that mentality of, hey, we got to forget about what just happened and go out and just do the next game? Yeah, in a way. I mean, we obviously learn from those weekends where we kind of let our guard down in a way and you know lose two out of three, but um, we try to learn from it and just move on and just get ready for the next game because we know what has happened in the past is in the past and what's ahead of us is more important than what's happened. Can you sense every time the the opponent on the other side is taking the field, they know that uh, Florida is one of the best teams in the country and they just want to go out there and kick the snot out of you? You know, we don't really like to think of that. Um, we just like to stay with our own guys, you know. We don't try to see or think what the other team's doing. We just uh, go out there and basically give it our best effort and you know just try to take it to each team that we play and try to win games. Most important question I'll ask you, what's the uh, best high school in Martin County? Martin County High School, not South Fork. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, Jeremy and I went to, uh, to rival high schools back in the day. So that's why I love him so much, and uh, you guys will certainly love Jeremy Vasquez if you come out to McKeithen Stadium and, uh, and check him out. Uh, riding a career-best hitting streak right now and take that into Arkansas this weekend. Jeremy, thank you. Thank you. The ultimate trump card for any college athlete is to win a national championship every year that you compete. While that lofty goal is a pie-in-the-sky dream for most, this group of seniors for the Gator Gymnastics team has a chance to make it a reality. As they prepare for the dawning challenge of the Fort Pete in Fort Worth, Gator Vision Shelby Grenath asked first-year head coach Jenny Rowland about their strong performance at regionals. It was a... Good meat. It was a solid meat, but it was not a perfect meat by any means. We left a lot out on the competition floor as far as deductions are concerned. We missed a lot of landings. We had we had some mistakes here and there, but overall, it was very nice to see that all the team members had each other's backs. So if there was a major mistake, somebody else was there to pick it up. 
So I feel like overall, you know, that's we, we finished strong. I'm still learning about this team. They're still learning about me. So, you know, every meet's a new meet for all of us together. And that was a new experience for me, seeing them and how they handled and how they performed in that competition. They were competing. They were doing what they needed to do. But it was not the hype. It was not the excitement. And you know what? It was probably a little more pressure than they had felt. Uh, at SECs, it's just go out and do your very best. At regionals, it's a do or die meet. And you've got to go out there and compete against five other solid teams and come out uh, number one or number two. So I think there was a little bit of pressure. And just after SECs, you know, that, that feeling just kind of fades a little bit. And going into regionals, the hype just isn't there as much. Last week, you had a full week of practice. This week, a little bit shorter week. But what was training like last week? We really tried to pay attention and focus on the assignments being a lot more efficient, a lot less gymnastics, but more mentally challenging for the girls. And I think the team uh, responded really well to that. We tried to make it to where as soon as they finished their assignment, they got to leave. So a lot of the girls were really excited about that and came in and did what they needed to do and you know just leaving the day with a lot of confidence and that was that was really our goal last week. Then this week obviously it was the last time the seniors were practicing in the O'Connell Center. Was that kind of bittersweet for you? For me yes. The older I get the more sentimental I get and uh, this year has just been very meaningful to me in general and uh, I, I told the girls that you know what they knew everybody was talking about this is my last practice in the O'Connell Center and I, I said that's great and all but let's talk about it after practice. So really the team had a great workout and then the seniors got together took some pictures but I think overall it was a good practice and, you know, it was just a good feeling for everybody to finish on that great note. How are you feeling personally heading into your first NCAA championships as a head coach? You know what? It's another meet uh, for me. Uh, it's not like I've never been on this stage before. I'm excited and just really honored to be by this team's side on the competition floor and looking forward to having as much fun as we have had at every meet thus far this season. And I don't expect anything less this weekend. You mentioned you have been on the stage before and most of your team have, but there are five freshmen who have never been here before. What have you and the upperclassmen told the freshmen about this environment? You know what? I think it's a an environment that's very similar to SEC's. So it's an advantage for our freshmen to have gone through that experience already. And so I don't think this is going to be a much different. And they handled the uh, situation at SEC's very well. So uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to a, a great weekend with them as well. For the first time in a long time this weekend at the NCAA Championships, individual event finals will not be on Sunday, and the winners will be determined on Friday. How do you feel about that change, and how do you think that will kind of change the weekend? I think it's a great change. Uh, I think the format in general has changed to better NCAA gymnastics in general. Uh, is it a perfect format? I don't know, but I think it's a step in the right direction. We're thinking outside the box and really trying to promote our sport, and it's the first time it's going to be live on ESPNU, so we're very excited about that. As far as uh, individual competition is concerned, 
I think the athletes actually are, are very excited that it's crowned on the first day. That third day is, it, it's kind of a downer after the Super 6 meet. And uh, the girls have to get back up. And it's really hard to be competing with your team all year long. And then going out there by yourself or maybe with one or two or three other teammates. But not having your team, entire team by your side and go out and, you know, compete the event. So uh, I think it's going to finish off on a great note this weekend. And I think the change is good. We talked a little bit about how you're feeling heading into the championship. How is the team feeling? I've seen this team react over the last two weeks just as they have all season long, which is good. We talk about being normal a lot, and they've been normal in the gym. They've been working hard. They've been doing everything that we've asked them to do. Uh, We have good days. We have bad days, just like everybody else. But overall, I think, you know what, they're treating this meet just like another competition, which is really what we've been stressing as a coaching staff. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Really, I'm I'm looking forward to being on the competition floor representing the University of Florida. I'm honored to be a Gator and really just standing by this team, being there for their support, watching them smile, watching them have fun just gives me a lot of pride and joy and I love seeing them be successful. The team could obviously win their fourth national championship this weekend. Is that something that you see the seniors are really hungry for in this team that they really want this one? That's definitely the uh, elephant in the room, and uh, we have talked about that as a team. And you know what? We've discussed that as a team, and I am absolutely confident that it is 100% possible. Is it going to happen? I cannot predict that. But I do know and have the confidence that this team will go out there and perform with their heart, perform for each other, perform for Florida, and give everything that they've got. And that's going to do it for this week's show. You can follow the Gator Gymnastics team's progress Friday and Saturday on ESPNU with the first-ever live telecast of the NCAA championships and stay up to date on Twitter as well by following at Gators Gym. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher to make sure you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you at the NCAA championships.